well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you're with me on the program today. You know, uh, last Friday, we talked with Chuck Michelle, head of the California Rifle and Pistol Association, about, uh, well, about a lot of things, uh, including the number of court cases in uh, the U.S. District Court in California in the courtroom of uh, U.S. District Judge Roger Benitez, St. Benitez, to uh, California gun owners. And we're waiting on uh, Judge Benitez to issue a decision in four separate challenges. Um, Oral arguments have been held. Last round of briefing has been submitted. We're just waiting on the judge's decision. And I think we have a pretty good idea of how Judge Benitez is going to decide these cases. Some of them have actually been before him before. Uh, And he has previously ruled, for instance, that California's ban on so-called assault weapons is unconstitutional. That was before the Bruin decision. Uh, So it is unlikely that Judge Benitez is going to reverse course uh, now, right? But again, we don't know exactly what he's going to say. We don't know when he's going to say it. And it's not just Second Amendment supporters who are uh, anxiously awaiting Judge Benitez's decisions, although I think it's fair to say the gun control advocates are maybe awaiting with some trepidation. Uh, The Los Angeles Times with a uh, story on not just these uh, cases uh, in Judge Benitez's courtroom, but the Bruin test itself, the history text and tradition test that the Supreme Court outlined in Bruin. Of course, gun control advocates hate, right? And that means that uh, the L.A. Times, not a big fan either, no. Thanks to the Supreme Court, California gun cases hinge more on history than on modern threats, is the uh, headline, right? And that is basically the assertion that they're making, is that the uh, the Bruin decision uh, doesn't allow, and, and they're, they're, they're right in this regard. The Bruin decision does not allow for these interest balancing tests that lower courts had adopted in the wake of the Heller decision, where they said, well, okay, so yeah, um, Bob, you do have a right to keep and bear arms, clearly. And yes, this California gun law does implicate that right to keep and bear arms. Um, It restricts you from possessing commonly owned magazines. It prohibits you from possessing commonly owned firearms. It uh, prohibits you from uh, purchasing ammunition without having to subject yourself to a background check or prohibit you from purchasing ammunition out of state, right? But, Bob, even though your rights are impacted by these laws, the state says that the reason why these laws are in place is for public safety. And they have a public safety interest. And we have to balance your individual rights with the state's public safety interest. And gosh, Bob, you know, we've we've weighed it and uh, we've just come to the conclusion that even though, yes, this law intrudes on your right, it's a reasonable intrusion, right? Because the state has a reasonable argument to make that uh, public safety is being advanced through whatever gun control law they put in place. That, in essence, is the interesting balance, the interest balancing test. And we have seen lower courts abuse that test, well, roughly since the Heller decision was handed down in 2008. And as the Supreme Court made clear in Bruin, this isn't a new test. This is the test that they wanted courts to adopt in Heller or after Heller, after McDonald. And the lower courts didn't, which is why the Supreme Court made it explicitly clear that when we are talking about the right to keep and bear arms, 
We're not weighing the government's interest in public safety against your right of self-defense. You instead have to look towards history and the text, and yes, the tradition of the right to keep and bear arms in this country to figure out what, if any, regulations are going to be uh, constitutional. Again, the LA Times and the reporter Kevin Rector really don't like this test. Rector writes, so while leaving space for restrictions with historical precedents, such as those against particularly dangerous and unusual weapons, the ruling nonetheless exploded modern American jurisprudence around gun control. It forced judges to start disregarding current government interests in passing modern gun control measures and had them focus instead on whether the framers of the U.S. Constitution or some other long-dead lawmakers had ever approved similar governmental limits on the right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, because again, uh, the lower courts were abusing this interesting balance, this interest balancing test, right? Uh, The Ninth Circuit, for example, in more than 50 cases since the Heller decision was handed down, upheld gun control laws. Never once since Heller has the Ninth Circuit found that any gun control law violates our right to keep and bear arms. Or if it does, it's okay. Because again, the state's interest in promoting public safety makes those intrusions acceptable. That's been the status quo in the Ninth Circuit. 50, more than, again, more than 50 times, I think we're up to 51 out of 51 cases, it might be 52 now, that the Ninth Circuit has found no objections to any gun control law. Let me tell you what, that system needed to be blown up by the courts because there is no way that every single gun control law that's been challenged in California, including, by the way, its may issue permitting standards, are constitutional. And yet, in the Peruta case, the Ninth Circuit said that, there is no right to carry a concealed firearm granted under the Second Amendment. And oh yeah, by the way, there's no right to openly carry a firearm either. So even though the Second Amendment talks about the right to keep and bear, ah, you you don't actually have the right to bear. That is the status, or that was the status quo in the Ninth Circuit before Bruin. And yeah, that was an untenable status quo. Uh, Rector goes on to say, gun rights proponents have praised the Supreme Court's reframing of the debate and its focus on the intentions of the Constitution's authors, but others have blasted the high court as out of touch with reality and willfully blind to the tremendous violence such weapons could inflict if they are allowed to proliferate more than they already have. Adam Winkler, UCLA law professor who focuses on Second Amendment law, says this new history and tradition test of the Supreme Court established last June is wreaking havoc on America's gun laws. Instead of having a reasonable debate over whether a ban on assault weapons is good policy or not, we have to debate whether a ban on assault weapons has historical antecedents. UCLA Berkeley law professor Dean Irwin Shimerinsky put it more bluntly. It's all about the absurdity of originalism. How dare the Constitution mean what it says? How dare we not be able to change it just by reinterpreting it rather than amending it? Oh, the dangers of originalism. Yeah. As for uh, Winkler's assertion uh, that or, or argument that, well, we should be having a reasonable debate over whether or not this is a good policy. You can still have that debate, but frankly, the courts are not a place for a debate over whether something is reasonable policy, right? That's the place for the legislature. It's up to the courts to decide whether or not that policy is constitutional, right? Now, I happen to think that even if you didn't have the Bruin decision, even if you didn't have Heller, It is unreasonable to ban commonly owned firearms 
that are not used in a lot of crime with the intent of reducing crime. I don't think that's reasonable at all. I think that ends up creating a lot of new paperwork criminals among previously law-abiding gun owners who refuse to give up their firearms or their banned magazines. I think it actually makes things worse, not better. But I also think it's unconstitutional, both under the Bruin test and, frankly, even under the interest balancing test. I mentioned that uh, Judge Benitez, uh, throughout California's ban on so-called assaults, even before the Bruin decision was handed down, he did not depend on history, text, and tradition. He actually did use that interest balancing test, and he found that the interests of the individual gun owners and their rights outweighed the interests of the state in terms of the policy that they were putting in place. Now, this ban is being relitigated once again. And as the rector points out, uh, Judge Benitez asked the state of California, show me the laws. Show me the applicable statutes in history that, uh, again, they don't have to be an exact match, right? Because the Supreme Court said you don't have to have a, a, a perfect replica. You just need an historic analog. So show me the analog, Judge Benitez said. And uh, the state came back with two lists, just laundry list of laws, right? Uh, first, I think were uh, laws up to 1880, and the second were laws put in place after 1880. Well, the Supreme Court, by the way, says you got to focus on 1791 and 1868 when the 14th Amendment was ratified. After that, before that, too long before that, you're 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 missing that that sort of you know golden era of being able to figure out what uh, either the founders or the uh, the folks who ratified the 14th Amendment uh, believed about the, uh, the right to keep and bear arms and what sort of regulations they uh, believed were appropriate and constitutional. So Judge Benitez took a look at this list and said, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of extraneous information here. Come back with a list of true analogs to this ban. Show me, again, examples of the, the similarities, at least, to banning modern sporting rifles in place in American history. Um, California Attorney General Rob Bonta objected. It's not really a matter of like one law, but, uh, but they did ultimately come up with one analog, a 1771 New Jersey law. Uh, banning trap guns. As Rector writes, the state argued that the law banned guns that had certain features attached to them, namely rope or string for triggering the traps. Uh, likewise, it said California's assault ban doesn't prohibit the possession of all semi-automatic rifles or pistols, just those equipped with certain accessories, such as a pistol grip or a flash suppressor. State arguing, quote, the burdens are comparably minimal because they restrict only the manner in which persons may exercise their Second Amendment rights and do not bar firearms possession completely. <laughs> I don't think so, because they do ban guns that are in common use. It, 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 and this isn't a really a part of the legal debate, but California doesn't just have one assault weapons ban. It's had multiple bans on modern sporting rifles over the past three decades because it continually goes back and modifies or amends these gun control laws, right? The magazine ban that California passed in the late 1980s originally grandfathered in. Uh, existing owners of those magazines. And that was the case until a few years ago when California lawmakers went back and said, ah, wait, never mind. All you folks that have legally owned those magazines, ah, yeah, you got to destroy them. You got to hand them over. You got to get them out of the state. You got to do something with them. You can't keep them anymore. 
Similarly, we've seen this with bans on so-called assault weapons, right? Where California redefines what an assault weapon is on multiple occasions. Always, by the way, expanding the definition, never contracting it, never, never, never say, oh, you know what? We made a mistake. Sorry, these, these guns are actually okay. No, 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 no. Every time the state has just made that ban bigger to include more and more firearms. So this trap gun law that uh, the state offered. Um, yeah, the plaintiffs, the Second Amendment advocates who've been challenging these laws, they've had a field day with this. Uh, and even Rector couldn't ignore it. He writes, uh, the New Jersey ban on trap guns, for instance, was, quote, far from a sufficient justification for California's unconstitutional ban on common semi-automatic firearms, Second Amendment attorneys wrote, because it was a ban on conduct, the setting of a trap using a firearm, not a prohibition on the possession of a dangerous, unusual weapon or any particular set of characteristics. CRPA attorneys also argue that these states' repeated references to mass shootings were irrelevant to the discussion, given the High Court's Bruin decision, and that the notion that the founders, uh, that the nation's founders could not have conceived of mass shootings as they exist today was, quote, simply history reimagined. Quote, knowing full well the potential of mass violence and killing, the founders did not suppose that a greater government would provide an antidote. To the contrary, they enshrined the pre-existing right of the people to defend themselves against such evils into this nation's constitution and enacted an enduring bulwark against the government's infringement of that sacred right. And again, according to California, nah, none of that matters, right? You just got to rely on the state for your protection. Oh, sure, theoretically, if you've got the money, depending on where you live, you can still get a concealed carry license because they're shall issue now, right? <clears throat> but the hostility towards the right to keep and bear arms in California is not limited simply to a ban on so-called assault weapons, right? This entire regime is designed to restrict the right as much as possible, to prohibit as many people from exercising that right as much as possible, including law-abiding citizens. Uh, in some cases, simply by pricing them out of exercising that right. Oh, you don't have an extra $1,000 laying around to apply for your concealed carry license? Sorry, guess you don't get to bear arms. Again, that is the attitude that is inherent in every one of the state's gun control laws. And uh, the Bruin decision ultimately is bad news for those laws, which is why uh, you've got anti-gun activists who are freaking out about what the court has had to say, because it does mean that a lot of these laws are not going to stand. Adam Winkler, UCLA law professor, says... Um, well, he's, he's, he, he doesn't sound that confident about uh, a so-called assault weapons ban surviving court scrutiny, even beyond uh, Judge Benitez's courtroom, once this gets up to the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, he says uh, that uh, this may be, quote, absurd <laughs> to base modern gun laws based only on whether a similar law existed in the past, but it's how the law works now, he says, and the path for the assault weapons ban and several other California gun laws, quote, is not promising. He said that uh, Judge Benitez was correct in his original decision in finding that uh, so-called assault weapons are common in American society. And Winkler says that undermines any argument that they're both dangerous and unusual. Winkler said dangerous and unusual are two different things. It's hard to say that these guns are not in common use for lawful purposes. Recreational shooters across the country have bought millions. And as the FBI tells us, semi-automatic rifles of any kind, rifles of any kind, are used in fewer homicides every year than personal weapons like fists and feet 
Yeah. So again, we will uh, wait to see what Judge Benitez has to say. Uh, we're probably going to see um, some more uh, anti-gun freakouts after Judge Benitez hands down his decision. But you know, ultimately, again, what they're complaining about here is that the courts are finally forced to take this right seriously. That they can't simply look at a gun control law and say, well, yeah, but the state has a really good reason for it. If that were the case, again, there would be no limited authority and no limiting principle. Uh, we're seeing this play out in other avenues, too. The, the federal courts have smacked the Biden administration around on a couple of occasions since Bruin. Um, in their defense for, uh, you know, bans on firearm possession for uh, unlawful users of marijuana, for example. The Biden administration has taken the position that virtually any uh, violation of the law, no matter how minor, could be a prohibiting factor, right? So as long as you're doing something that some legislative body somewhere has said you're not supposed to do, well, you're not a law-abiding citizen. And that means that you don't have any Second Amendment protections because the Supreme Court has referred to law-abiding citizens possessing the right to keep and bear arms. Courts haven't looked at that fondly either, pointing out again that there is no limiting principle. If you're on a stop sign, theoretically, you could lose your right to keep your arms forevermore. Uh, so we are in a state of flux when it comes to our gun laws. That's okay. Chaos that eventually leads to a better outcome is better than a status quo that deprives Americans of a fundamental individual right. And I don't think this chaos in the courts uh, is going to last. Well, listen, there's, there, let me take that back. There will always be disputes. There will always be debates. There will always be litigation because there's always going to be some group out there somewhere that is trying to test the limits of what is allowed under the Constitution. But again, this is nothing new. And it doesn't just happen when it comes to our gun laws. This is how our country operates. And <laughs> to uh, to try to throw shade on the Bruin decision simply because it's led to the challenge of existing gun laws. Again, at, at that point, you've kind of indicated you don't really give a damn about anybody's individual rights anyway. Right? It's all about whatever argument you think you can best use to restrict those rights. And the Supreme Court has said, simply claiming that these gun control laws are going to improve public safety, not enough to infringe on that fundamental right. And that is a very good decision. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report will start there in New York City. Plenty of gun laws on the books there, right? And yet, a 21-year-old... Arrested in the shooting of two teenagers near a New York City high school, a 21-year-old, well-known to authorities already. Police say uh, Usman Diallo, Crown Heights, charged with allegedly opening fire on the students in Sunset Park on Tuesday afternoon. Teens were inside a bodega across from a uh, high school when they were shot in the shoulder. New York Post says that the suspected gunman believed to be a member of the insane gangsta Crips and is well-known to police last August, as a matter of fact. Diallo was arrested and charged with attempted murder, an assault, and other charges for a shooting in January of 2022 in Crown Heights. Uh, at the time, Diallo was out on a $500,000 bond in that case, which is still open. He also has prior arrests for assault, robbery, and two grand larcenies. Uh, one Brooklyn officer telling the New York Post he always has a gun and is a known shooter. He's a suspect in other shootings. 
Again, New York gun laws apparently didn't prevent this 21-year-old from allegedly illegally acquiring a firearm while out on bond for an attempted murder charge. Uh, and again, allegedly using that gun that he allegedly acquired to allegedly shoot two high school students. Yeah. You know what would have probably prevented this shooting? Keeping him behind bars, pointing to his previous criminal history and saying, you know, Mr. Diallo, it kind of seems like you're a danger to the community. Because you keep racking up all these arrests here. So I tell you what, we're just going to keep you here until you go to trial. It's extraordinary circumstance, but in this case, probably warranted. And, uh, and we'll see what happens after that. Doesn't happen in New York. Again, doesn't matter what type of violent crime you are accused of committing. Doesn't matter your criminal history. Doesn't matter your flight risk. Doesn't matter the danger you might pose to a community. The goal is to get you back out on the streets as quickly as possible. And uh, cases like this are a result of that philosophy, as well as an indication of the failure of New York's gun laws. Today's Armed citizen story, Henderson, Nevada where uh, homeowners are reacting after a attempted burglary ended up with a burglar shot and killed. This happened um, just a couple of days ago. Uh, KLAS in Las Vegas went out to the uh, neighborhood in Henderson where this happened to uh, speak with some nearby residents. They say this is not the first burglary in their neighborhood. Uh, in fact, several homeowners said they didn't want to speak on the record because they worried that they would be the next target of a burglar. It was uh, last Thursday, about 2 o'clock in the morning, um, a man who did not live there stopped by a home to check on uh, the property. His father, who had apparently just passed away, uh, lived there, and he just wanted to make sure that everything was still secure. He goes in the home, and he finds a burglar inside. The uh, 61-year-old ended up shooting and killing the intruder, identified as a 31-year-old Dylan Gall, uh, who was apparently shot in the uh, guest bedroom um, Henderson police said that uh, the 61-year-old armed citizen will not be facing any charges. Neighbors said that the same home had actually been burglarized the day before the shooting. Uh, and again, they are concerned that uh, even with this particular suspect being shot and killed, that um, you know their homes could be the next target. Uh, it's Listen, it's not an unreasonable concern. Which is, again, why millions of Americans over the past few years have embraced their Second Amendment rights for the very first time in their lives. Because they do know that picking up 911, calling police does not result in an officer instantly uh, appearing in front of you. They know that response times may be getting longer. Uh, although they probably couldn't tell you how long they are. But anecdotally, they can see that things aren't getting much better where they live. Uh, and yeah. Not only do they have every right, I think they have every reason to want to protect themselves. By the way, in this particular case, uh, according to uh, KLAS, Dylan Gall apparently was uh, out on parole after being released from prison for uh, uh, last year. He was uh, doing time for a variety of charges, uh, including uh, drugs, forgery, grand larceny, child abuse and neglect, as well as uh, possession of other people's credit cards. Yeah. And apparently uh, made the fatal mistake of targeting a stranger's home. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, on the Long Island Expressway, at the right time, on Sunday, taking his uh, daughter out for a driving lesson, and able to do the right thing. 
a, a New York man who helped rescue a couple of individuals from a plane crash. Yeah. Um, on Long Island. One passenger was killed in this crash. But uh, a guy named Maruz Sartoriski, and Maruz, I really hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, he was driving with his daughter on Sunday, giving her a driver's lesson. He said, I think it'll always be in my mind. I'll never forget. He said, there was fire everywhere. Saw this plane crash, saw it explode in a fireball. Uh, Sartoriski managed to uh, tell his daughter, pull over. He hops in the driver's seat. They race over to where the smoke is just pouring into the sky. It was actually the first one on the scene. Sartoriski said, I I grabbed the pilot first. It was a young man. He was asking me, please help me, please help me. Um, That uh, pilot, 23-year-old Fazul Chowdhury, uh, at last report in critical condition with severe burns. Sartoriski then saw that there was a woman in the wreckage as well. Uh, he said, she's going to die inside the fire. So I pull her out. I take her to a safe place. And she's asking, where's my mom? Where's my mom? Um, her mom was actually in the plane as well. Uh, that uh, younger woman, uh, Reva Gupta of Pennsylvania, her mom, Roma Gupta, 63 years old, apparently passed away uh, in that plane crash. Um, you know, this could have been so much worse. It's a terrible tragedy as it is. Bizarre Risky rightfully says that he's grateful that he was there. He said, if I didn't pull him out, they would die. And I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, it sounds like the uh, damage to that plane, again, extensive fireball erupting as soon as that plane crashed. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, were it not for the accident of Mr. Sutterisky, uh, three lives would have been lost that day. So in the right place at the right time. Well and unable, willing and able to do the right thing. Uh, Maruz Sartoriski, thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you in this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. We'll be back tomorrow. I, uh, I'm not quite sure. We've got a couple of potential guests floating around here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it with this. We're going to be talking about what's going on in the northeastern part of the state or northeastern part of the country. Not sure which state yet. Might be New York. Might be Connecticut. You never know. But uh, one way or the other, we're going to get you covered. And at BarryAndArms.com, we're covering all of the latest Second Amendment news and information, including uh, campus carry in Kentucky, permitless carry in Florida, uh, and more. So be sure to check out the website. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP member as well. Just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As I was saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive content, news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter. and It really does make a difference. So thank you. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.